Shall we pray those words together as we hear the word of the Lord? Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. As we hear and listen to your word today, use it to melt us, mold us, and make us. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us now. In Jesus' name, amen. If you are reading along in the Green Bibles, we continue to be on page 156. And we continue to be listening to the word of the Lord from Colossians 3, beginning at verse 1 and going through verse 17. So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever in you is earthly, fornication, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming on those who are disobedient. These are the ways you also once followed when you were living that life. But now you must get rid of all such things. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have stripped off the old self and its practices and have clothed yourselves with the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator. In that renewal, there is no longer Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, and free, but Christ is all and in all. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Above all, Clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom, and with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord.
So we started this year out considering the way in which uh, the human tendency to set New Year's resolutions is all about improving ourselves, right? We know that there's some things that we need to improve, and so we make a plan, and we resolve, set our mind to change it. But how the story for us as Christians, when there's something that we know God wants changed, is that we have to submit to him being the one to do the changing. Because God is not just about improving us, he's about changing and transforming us so that the improvements made are not lost. Because how many of us have kept a resolution for a little while and then failed to keep it for the rest of our life, right? So lasting change comes from the work of God in us. And God takes direct action and we take indirect action to show that we are willing to partner with him in these things. And we've talked about how this is a mystery. God describes it as a mystery in scripture. We understand it as a mystery because we cannot explain how this works. We know who does it. We know why God does it. But we don't really know how God does it. But that is the mysterious work of the Holy Spirit in uniting us in and with Christ. And then last week we started this journey of exploring the kind of doctrinal way teachings or understandings of what all of that means to be in and with Christ. And so we started by looking at the ways we are with Christ in death. The ways that being in Christ leads us to experience death in different ways. So we looked at the five senses in which we die with and in Christ. And I said more than once that we would be continuing this morning. Because every time that there is death, this is core to our Christian understanding of what happens. Every time there is death, there is a new life. And we see that happening all throughout the world around us, right? On the West Coast, we know very well that if a salmon does not come up the river to die... Its eggs are not laid and there, are, there is not new life. The sequoia tree has to go through a fire. The acorns of the sequoia tree go through fire to open up. So they experience a death to bring new life for the seeds. Somebody was telling me about a bird that has to eat a... There's a seed. The seed's the more important part. I should start there. The seed has to go through the digestive system of the bird before it will be able to germinate. So it has to experience a death before there's new life. This is key and central to our understanding. This is the hope that we hold on to, that death is not the end of things, right? But just a new beginning. So today we're going to answer all five of the deaths we experienced and started to talk about last week with the five gifts of new life and rising with Christ. And we're going to use the same model that we used last time, going one by one through them, looking at the catechism, and coming to a deeper appreciation of the goodness of God. So if you haven't got out your uh, inserts and you want to listen and read the catechism as we go through it, I invite you to do that now. Colossians 3 opens with, Since you have been raised with Christ, Seek the things that are above. So since you are raised with Christ, 
That's our, that's our goal, to understand what it means in, in, in at least partial fullness, what it means to be raised with Christ. So just as Christ is our death and his death, Christ's resurrection is our resurrection. In God's sight, we have already been raised from the dead. We have already been raised to new life. God sees us as already gone through death and resurrection because our life is hidden with Christ in God. So let's see, what does that mean? If Christ was our substitute on the cross and then gives us his righteousness, the resurrection is like the guarantee of this truth. The guarantee that God won the battle against the rule of sin and evil. The guarantee that sin and evil in this world have no power against our God because the best that the sin and evil in this world could do was put Jesus on the cross And kill him. And then Jesus says, no way, Jose. Rising from the dead, you cannot destroy me. And you cannot destroy anyone who is hidden inside of me. Rising from the dead, Jesus says, you have no authority over me. Your powers are null and void. And then he gives it to us. When we go back to thinking about this picture that we started last week of us having lived in a dictatorship that's ruled by sin and evil, because sin is not just the things we do, right? It's this presence of evil and brokenness that exists in the world. And we used to live, and sometimes we still feel like we live in that place, in that country where we live in fear of what's happening we, we live in fear of the control of those things. But then Jesus smuggles us out, right? And saves us from that place and welcomes us into a new country, a new citizenship. Remember we read in Romans 6? Now, I happen to have moved here from another country. Some of you have also happened to move here from other countries. And when I moved here, I had to prove that I had money. I had to prove that I could support myself financially. The bank statements I had to just send to renew my visitor record so that I could stay here. So that I prove that the government, to the government that I am worthy of staying here. So if we take that analogy to what Jesus does and what God does through the work of Jesus and how we are rising with him into this new life, Jesus' righteousness is left on deposit for us at the bank. And so instead of it being our righteousness, our money that makes it so look like we should belong and stay somewhere, it's Jesus' righteousness. It's Jesus' compassion. It's Jesus' kindness. It's Jesus' patience. It's Jesus' meekness that stays. And so everything that we do that should be drawing money out of the bank the exchange of our sin for acts of righteousness doesn't actually change what's left on the bank, at the bank for us. Because it's Jesus. 
Jesus' righteousness. So it stays up here full, full for us to draw on, full of us, full for the judge, which is God, to look at and say, they are worthy of staying in my kingdom. It is God's work that gets us in, and it is God's work that keeps us in. We don't have to worry about getting kicked out because it is Jesus' righteousness that's left on deposit for us. And it's the resurrection that guarantees this. That's the picture that the resurrection and being united with Jesus gives us. We know that that banknote is secure We know that this is the truth for us because Jesus rose and we are reunited with him in rising to this new way of living. Look at question 45 in the Catechism. How does Christ's resurrection benefit us? First, by his resurrection, he has overcome death so that he might make us share in the righteousness he won for us by his death. Second, by his power, we too are already now resurrected to a new life. And third, Christ's resurrection is a guarantee of our glorious resurrection. So we talked about the first point. That's the left on deposit for us. Now we're going to talk about the second point. That by his power, we too are already now resurrected to a new life. Because this is the other side of the dying and rising in baptism. In the baptism, we remember and the sign and the seal and the symbol that is God's washing us clean. But we also know that baptism is a calling on our lives. Martin Luther calls it the, the vocation of every Christian. The job of every Christian that starts at your baptism to live the new life in Christ. Now, the early church practiced baptism because it was a different time and place differently than we do. But the the imagery is still very powerful, so I'm going to share it with you. And I know I've shared it already once before, but we're doing it again because it's really good. So remember, we've talked in the past about how in a lot of the parts of the early church, the baptismal font was actually like a sunken in little spa, but not hot water and not bubbly and all that stuff. But it was a pool of water. And how baptisms would happen, men only and women only, because what they would do to symbolize these basic truths about being united with Christ is that on one end, they would strip off all of their clothes to symbolize the stripping off of the old self and that life. And they would go down into the water to symbolize the death of that old way. And they would remember that as they went into the water, they were being washed. They are washed. We are washed by Jesus' blood. And as they came out the other side, up the steps, little children being held by by adults as they did this, they would come up the other side of the steps remembering that part of this life with God is that we have not just gained from the death, but we have been united with the new life that Jesus ushers in, the new way of the world through his resurrection. And as they came out the other side, rising 
symbolically with God, they would be clothed in a white robe to represent the righteousness of Jesus that now belonged and covered them, that was left on deposit at the bank for them, and was now their calling as citizens of a new kingdom, characters in a new story, people with a new identity that ought to be known by the things in their bank account, by the righteousness of God, by the compassion and the kindness and the patience and the meekness and humility and all of the other fruits of the Spirit that Scripture describes for us. So in baptism we die, but in baptism we rise to a new life, known by a new standard, shaped by the work of God. Dave Ramsey is this financial guru, and maybe some of you are familiar with him, but he he advises people, especially younger people, to live today like no one else so that you can live tomorrow like no one else. And what he means by that is live today wisely with your money, save it for the future, build a retirement fund, yada, yada, all that stuff. Don't splurge and go crazy trying to keep up with the Joneses so that tomorrow you can live the way that the people who did that today can't, right? Now, whatever you agree or disagree about that, I really like that phrase. Live today like no one else so that you can live tomorrow like no one else. Because in the Christian life, living today like no one else and living tomorrow like no one else is the same life. It's the way we're supposed to live both Now and tomorrow, we live the truth of this resurrection life, even though we are not perfect in it, even though we still experience sin, and even though we still experience the presence of the brokenness, we live as though those things were gone. Through the presence of the Holy Spirit, transforming us more and more into the likeness of Christ. Let's read the next question of the catechism together. Number 70. What does it mean to be washed with Christ's blood and spirit? To be washed with Christ's blood means that God, by grace, has forgiven my sins because of Christ's blood poured out for me in his sacrifice on the cross. So what does it mean for us to be washed with the spirit of God? To be washed with Christ's Spirit means that the Holy Spirit has renewed me and set me apart to be a member of Christ so that more and more I become dead to sin and increasingly live a holy and blameless life. We rise with Jesus as the Holy Spirit renews us more and more. And we talked last week about how we experience death through repentance, by turning from certain activities that are based on our selfish feelings and our sinful habits and opening ourselves up to this Holy Spirit. By repenting, we make room, right, for the Holy Spirit to come in and give us what is truly good. And I describe that as regeneration. That is the work of the Holy Spirit to renew us, to be Christ-like. And so as we put to death the things of this earth, 
and we clothe ourselves with the things of God, the things that define the bank account that we draw our righteousness from, the Holy Spirit renews us more and more. So that, though we will never be perfect, we will be less and less and less defined by our sinfulness and more and more known by our Christ-likeness. In baptism, we are drawn into that story. We hear that call from God to partner, to covenant with him in this work until it naturally becomes part of who we are. And in baptism, we remember that we are called in the community to this work. When we look at all the things that God tells us to put to death, there are all those selfish things, right? When I think about greed, it's getting what I want. When I think about fornication or passion, it's about being satisfied sexually for me. That's the tone there. When I think about evil desires, it's about what I'm picturing in my head. Now now look at the way that we are when we live Christ's way. Compassion. It's to have passion, by definition, with someone else. To share in their emotions and what they're feeling. Kindness can only be known by what you do. Patience is something you have to practice for the benefit of either yourself, but more than likely usually for someone else. Humility makes you smaller and by definition, therefore, makes others around you bigger. See how all of these are communal activities that define us rather than the personal things that set us in that old self and its ways? God indeed calls us to the one body. And the easiest way to live in the one body, though it's never totally easy on this side, is to have the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And the most effective way to let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts is to have the Holy Spirit place Christ there. And the only thing that you can do is to say, yes, God, please. And here, I'm going to get rid of some of this that doesn't belong so that you can put Christ there. And with the presence of Christ, we rise, renewed by the power of the Holy Spirit, into this new life, living heaven now. And because we have to commit ourselves to this process of repentance and confession on this side of eternity daily, we can know that God's grace truly is new every morning. That we rise each day to new life with Christ. That whatever mistakes we have made can truly be in the past. If we open ourselves to the transformation of Jesus. And so daily we die and daily we rise to new life in Christ. I want to read from Galatians, Galatians, that's a combination of those two letters there. (laughs) 
Galatians chapter 2. These are very famous words. You probably have heard them before. And this is kind of, let's see, verse 19. Yep. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What I love about the language is that it can mean so many different things, and I think that that's on purpose. The richness of the message of God cannot be contained by any single sentence or phrase, but goes above and beyond and takes on new complexity and new understanding and new nuances. So how I read, I now live in the flesh, I live, the life I live, now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, might be different than how you read that sentence. But to me, today, as I read that sentence, I understand that to mean that I live a life with Christ, Christ living in me, and I live trusting and believing that to be true. Exploring the ways in which Christ is living through me. And the only way I can do that is to believe and have faith that that is actually the case. Because I can't necessarily prove it. I can't open myself up to you and say, look at my heart. See, that's the, that's the mark of Christ there. Right? It doesn't work that way. We have a spiritual mark on us. They cannot be seen with the naked eye. We are marked and clothed in the intangibles that is expressed through our actions, but cannot be proven factually or physically beyond the expression of this deep thing of Christ, this mystery of God living in us. So we live by faith that we are united with Christ, and it is Christ who lives in and through us, expressing itself by being united with us and all of our personality quirks. Remember, we all don't have to look the same, but we express Jesus and his bigness in all of our individuality, as long as we're known by these characteristics that Scripture gives us of a life lived for God's glory. Eighty-eight and eighty-nine. Eighty-eight and ninety. We already did the eighty-eight. What is involved in genuine repentance or conversion? Two things. The dying away of the old self and the coming to life of the new. So what is the coming to life of the new self? It is wholehearted joy in God through Christ and a delight to do every kind of good as God wants us to do. Truly, the work of the Holy Spirit inside of us. Truly, the work of God making us more like God. To have the joy to do the will of the Father as Jesus did. So finally, we rise and 
In God's sight, we rise in baptism. We rise through regeneration after repentance. We rise daily in these truths that define us and shape us and tell us how to live. And we will rise again. If God does not come before you and I die back to this earth to usher in the new kingdom, we believe in the resurrection of the dead. That we will follow Jesus in that act. Verse, question 57. How does the resurrection of the body comfort you? Not only my soul will be taken immediately after this life to Christ, it said, but even my very flesh, raised by the power of Christ, will be reunited with my soul and made like Christ's glorious body to never feel or know the effects of sin and evil and decay ever again, but to shimmer in some glorious mystery that I cannot even begin to explain. But that the God who created everything out of nothing will recreate us to know eternally what it means to be united with and in Christ. Let's celebrate again. This sermon was the second part of last week, so we're going to sing the same song that we sang at the end of last week, In Christ Alone. Trusting that in our uniting with Christ's death, we are also united with Christ in his resurrection. 